Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot, this week sponsored by Shoeless Pete Games. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. Heroes, this week we're playing The Well by Peter Schaefer. The Well is a post-apocalyptic dungeon-diving RPG about a world where humanity is forced to burrow underground in order to escape undead forces that chase them ever downwards from the surface of their former world. It's a really interesting take on a classic adventuring format that provides you with a compelling plot reason to rummage around in old tombs. The Well is designed to tell tense and suspenseful stories, with a mechanical touch balanced delicately between getting out of your way when the story needs to be front and center, and providing a rich and rewarding mechanical experience for when you're into the nitty-gritty of game mechanics. Our session, in typical one-shot fashion, showcases the story and setting before mechanics. And while I think we give you a great idea of the experience of the game, if you're looking for mechanical insight, it's best to go out and purchase your own copy. There's a lot to like about The Well. I don't often play dungeon crawlers, but between the thoughtful setting and really interesting monsters, this one definitely hooked me. I'm frankly extremely glad that Shoeless Pete Games reached out about sponsoring us, because this was an unexpected treat. The Well is available now on Itch.io and DriveThruRPG, and you can pre-order the softcover from the Shoeless Pete Games website. All of those are going to be linked in our show notes. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. Uh, and first up, a voice that should be familiar to you because you are a big fan of the Neo Scum podcast and extremely violent kleptomaniacs. And that's Eleni Sovajou. Hello, it's me, Eleni Sovajou. Eleni, well, welcome back to One Shot. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be back. What do you want me to say, James? If you have any plugs, anything that you would like to bring the audience's attention to, like now you have the floor, Eleni. Really, this time is what you make of it. Oh, great. Okay. So hello. Welcome to the new Eleni show. This is my show for the next minute. And smart. on today's smart, episode, really smart. <laughs> I will be uh, talking about myself. Isn't that great? Uh, my pronouns are she, they. <laughs> I am on uh, the Neo Scum podcast. I play... Talks, you should listen to it if you haven't already. That's my number one advice for you on this glorious day. And uh, you can also catch me and Mike streaming on Twitch Tuesdays, 7.30 p.m. Central, most Tuesdays, on twitch.tv slash it's Mike Lenny time. Yep. And it is a lot of fun to watch them. I highly recommend it if you get the chance. It is a very, like, Fun and wholesome stream to to catch. We're going to interrupt the Eleni show with a commercial break <laughs> that will account for the entirety of the One Shot podcast. Thank you. And Bye. with that, we're going to cut over to Mike Migdal. Hey, what's up, listeners? Uh, it's Mike Migdal. I am also on the Neoscom podcast. I also stream with Lenny, Mike Lenny time on Twitch. It's a wholesome time, as was mentioned. Do I have anything else to plug? Plug your Twitter. Check me out on, on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash it's Migdal time. Twitter brings me uh, a decent amount of joy and anxiety. And <laughs> yeah, go check me out on there. Also, we have three cats, Jasper, <laughs> Billy, and Maymay. Shout out to them. Check them out in our apartment. Just come on over in a couple <laughs> months uh, when everyone's vaccinated and gaze upon our cats. They're very nice. Maymay is is the oldest cat and she vomits once <laughs> once in a every couple of weeks enough to keep us concerned and then she's cool for a while and then we're like yeah she's probably just fine but anyway just kind of uh, free word associating about uh, our cats and read <laughs> no, books. this is good I, i'm really glad that that we're raising awareness of these cats and <laughs> our friend the humble book but before we move on to our next guest, I wanted to ask both both Mike and Eleni, because we are playing The Well today, if life on the surface of the earth were suddenly became impossible and humans had to burrow underground to survive, what's one element of our world, of our culture, that you would want to be preserved in a new civilization under the earth? Well, before I said Tamagotchis, and 
the, the next best answer that I could come up with, aside from Tamagotchi, which would be very useless, would be refrigerator. But that might <laughs> that might also be pretty useless because I think underground would be kind of cold. So maybe halogen lamp. <laughs> halogen lamps. That seems halogen lamp. Eleni, Eleni has gone very practical. Yeah, <laughs> wow. And I'm I, trying you know, to survive. I appreciate that kind of survivalist approach. Uh, what, what about you, Mike? Eleni's What's... covering the practical, thankfully, so it means I also don't have to go practical. I'm going to say I would like to uh, preserve the TV show, The Circle, the reality <laughs> TV show that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a brilliant format, and I think the people underground are going to really need some like distractions and... They're going to need some levity and some some drama. So I hope that they keep making new episodes of The Circle when we have to live in a subterranean, Stygian world. I, that makes me want to change my answer. Yeah. <laughs> you said halogen lights. Yeah, uh, Eleni, I'm like, you, you're, the nanny. You're the fully na- entitled. Yeah. <laughs> the nanny. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because once people are in their brightly lit homes with their halogen lights, they're going to need something to watch. Right. And... You know, you got to get your dose of reality and competition. You got to have the circle in there. But you really need something wholesome and sweet. You need stories about a woman who used to sell makeup and then sort of got press ganged into being a nanny for a rich family. Yeah. And, you know, and there's love involved. You'll cry. You'll laugh. You'll have a great time. That's my impression of nanny. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad that we could get a a plug in for the nanny. (laughs) Which that brings us to our, our next guest for the show. That is actually the designer and creator of The Well, Peter Schaefer. Hi, that's me. I did this. And <laughs> I'm very, very excited to be playing here. I don't actually get to play the game very often. I run it pretty much universally, as you might imagine. And um, what is today? Two days ago, I got... You can see this in person, but not Ooh, in the, the real world. This is the proof Ooh. copy that I'm going through from the printer, and so it will very, very soon be a solid book that people can hold in their hands and slap people with. And listener, it looks cool. Yeah, it it has a very punk vibe to it. Uh, it's got that like cool black and white uh, ink driven art style, which I love. I will say here at the One Shot uh, Network, we we do not advise striking people with role playing games, but you know whatever floats your boat, really. Peter, I imagine you want to plug the well, but we're basically going to be doing a whole multi-part series plugging the well. So if there's anything else that you'd like to highlight, bring people's attention to. Well, I'm really bad at self-marketing, so I will do my very best. Uh, you can follow me at Shoeless Pete on Twitter, where I every day post a little factoid from our history with an alternate history twist something from the 1570s except there were aliens Ooh, fun! or fun. magic and i think i have one friend who likes it every time so that makes me feel really good hey the this is all this is friend. all for them shout yeah. out to the, <laughs> That's right. shout out to the twitter friends who who reliably like all of your posts even the ones that you delete after two minutes <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. So thank you, Katie. Thank you for liking my alternative history facts. Now, Peter, I, I, I would like to know from you, if we're moving underground, what are you taking with us cats. as a culture? It's cats. Cats. Yeah, I'm really, really glad that Mike brought up cats because cats are great. Mm-hmm. And I made I made specifically sure that there were cats in the well. Little little factoid for fans of the game or people who might become fans of the game. There are a whole bunch of undead monsters in it. There are monstrous spiders made out of bones and snakes and, and things I call tomb hounds that will chase you to the ends of the earth. But there are no undead cats because cats are wonderful. alive. Thank you. They live forever. That's right. They're the all <laughs> alive and happy and wonderful. And this is just a heads up. One of my cats might come yelling at my door and not stop until I let him in. So we hope if that happens. happens, we'll just have to say hello to Witzig and uh, and he'll come on in. We'll incorporate 
incorporated into the game somehow. It'll <laughs> it'll have a a, a, can, a canonical Perfect. reason for why it's happening. It's my tummy rumbling. Excellent. Yeah, listeners, listeners, look forward to that. Yes. And and you have my sympathy with was it Mimi Maymay Maymay Maymay. You know, it's funny. I got a cameo one time from Carson Cressley for Eleni from from Maymay the cat. I thought it would be funny to get Carson Cressley to just say hi to to Eleni from Maymay, and Carson Cressley also pronounced it Mimi. Uh, Mimi, or is it My My? Oh. Mimi's or anyway. is it My My? Yeah. <laughs> well, we have a, a young cat who also has a, a vomiting issue, and we're still working on trying to minimize that for him. So, you, uh, my heart goes out to you, and also gratitude for all the times. In your Neo Scum Gaiden DCC episode or series, for all the times that you said the well, <laughs> yes, if you remember that, <laughs> yes, yeah. When I was listening to that, I just thought to myself, "Oh, yeah, it's my game." Over I was over. thinking maybe I'll be Baskadar, and then this is the same <laughs> well, mysteriously. But Ooh. these are some deep cuts. I did not do that, but you'll see what we what we do in right now. I don't know. Yeah, and and speaking of, I, I think it is a good time to hop into it. First things first, we got to get to know everybody's characters. Basically, to our audience, I, I'd actually like, Peter, could you summarize the concept of the well before I take the reins and start running the game? Everybody lives deep, deep underground and has done for generations upon generations upon generations. They, they moved underground fleeing some great evil that is not clearly defined and uh, at some point they, they feel like it followed them. They went down following the eponymous well which is a big big empty shaft going straight down through the earth with a, a stairway spiraling around the inside. They dig out the ground, the earth and stone around it to build their city and when they run out of space or run out of resources or whatever, they move farther down, and they've done that for an untold length of time. And eventually, the tombs of their ancestors that they left behind them, above them, as they went down in the well, began reanimating. The undead rose out of their crypts and started terrorizing the living until they fled even farther, and now they live in an uneasy uh, balance. Excellent. With that, our game and games of the well generally focus on a group that exists within the civilization called the Gravediggers. This isn't like an affiliated group so much as think of them almost as day laborers or workers. These are people who do an extremely dangerous job with very little like oversight and regulation. There is a massive city and civilization now underground as the well has been stopped up by this tremendous gate that prevents the upper levels, you know, getting closer to the surface from allowing monsters to come down and mess with people in this civilization. The gravediggers are people who voluntarily pass this gate to plunge upwards uh, into the depths of this broken civilization in order to reclaim treasures, you know, find lost information, all sorts of extremely useful things to make life possible and comfortable within their greater city. So th these are people who will risk their lives, face down bone spiders and other undead monsters in order for the chance at coming back with a little bit of treasure. So I want to know who the, the folks are in our group. I'd like to go into everybody's character, get names and pronouns to start with, and then maybe just tell me a little bit about who your characters are. Uh, let's start again with Eleni. Eleni, I know the search for a name can be difficult, so I know the name that you're about to hit us with is going to be pretty good. Yeah, so my character's name is Blaze. <laughs> yeah <laughs> after a, a long long time her name is blaze her pronouns are she her she has black hair and she is wearing a sort of gray padded jack that that like sort of fabricy armor but underneath that she has silky green clothes it really stands out because in the well you probably don't see that much green stuff 
So she's hiding it underneath the gravelly looking overcoat. Yeah, I like that. I like the idea that dyes and whatnot for clothes are, are pretty hard to get your hands on because mostly people are working with like funguses that they're able to grow. So in order to get a green shirt, like that's that's a lot. That t- that that took a lot of resources. I want to know because in in this game there are skills and histories. I want to know what what is what is Blaze's like skill? Yeah. So a little bit about her is that she is an artisan. She's a candle maker, but she also does a little bit of rune magic. She's very interested in fire and light and pyromania, basically. And she's been trying to get her candle business going, but it's not going well. So she's a gravedigger on the side. And that's, that's her reason for going up and grave digging she has to survive somehow and apparently candles are people don't want her candles she doesn't know why they're really cool <laughs> the sense that i get is a lot of the light and heat and whatnot that people get down here are coming from runes so it just might be that candles are really retro and that blaze has like maybe a dedicated fan base of people who's like nah the light from a candle like you can't beat it it's way better than rune light it's more natural right but everybody else is just like i'm gonna take the runes and plus like much you can make the candles scented that's cool runes don't have a smell come on i mean the scent that we can mostly do is dirt and burnt <laughs> fungus, but we're working on new ones. Those right. sound like artisanal uh, I scents, that. though. I feel like I would see that at like a, a bougie uh, candle shop. They'd be like, this is a dirt scented candle. And it'd be like $55. <laughs> yeah, in, in our world, certainly. Yeah. If you came out with a candle that smells like the bowels of the earth, everybody would be like, well, I've never smelled that particular <laughs> scent before. They would call it loam. Yes. <laughs> Eleni, can, uh, what, what is uh, Blaze's history before you were a grave digger? That should be one of the checkboxes. Oh, right. Yeah. I put artisan, even though that's technically mm-hmm. what she still is doing. But I think she was doing that and still is. Does that count? Yeah, that does. That, that definitely counts. Cool. I just wanted to make sure that there wasn't anything more that I had to keep in mind about Blaze. Okay, perfect. So with that, that gives me a good view of Blaze. Mike, who are you going to be playing for us? My character is, is of course, named Leonardo Cheese. Uh, his pronouns are he and him, <laughs> and he is a goo merchant. And now this is the part where you guys will have to work with me because I don't know if this is too goofy for the well, but I was thinking... Certainly not the version I want to run. <laughs> I I was thinking that in this subterranean kind of dystopian setting, you know, what are people eating? Well, Leonardo Cheese makes goo. And goo, what is goo? Goo is like slime. Goo is ooze that has like nutritional value. And it is Mm -hmm. a genre of food that can taste like like anything and there's all different types of goo and Leonardo Cheese has a goo business and is maybe even like one of the the leading creators of goo food which may or may not be popular in this town and he is uh Mike yes I am so on board for this. I'm so on board for this. What I am thinking, it seems because the description of, of what I read of Bastion in, in the book suggests to me that most of the food people are, are getting is coming from funguses and whatnot. So I'm going to rule right now that goo comes from a particular mushroom, but based on the environment and like things that you're able to feed it, it's very easy to like tweak the flavors that can come out of it. So I think Leo Cheese, uh, Leonardo Cheese, is very good at just like going up, plunging the depths of the tombs above to come back with stuff that's like, aha, thanks to my knowledge of food sciences, this will taste exactly like a Gruyere. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the terroir. Right. He is grave digging because he needs to go above into the heights to find materials for his goo 
And he also is in a little bit of hot water with the Farmers Guild because of a goo-related <laughs> mishap where he had a goo spill and it kind of got into some of the um, some of the, the fields. I guess they have probably interesting types of farming situations. All I know is that Leonardo Cheese ruined it with his goo, with a goo spill. And I'm kind of basing mm-hmm. this character off of Bustopher Jones from uh, <laughs> the Cats musical. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah, that's what I'm working with. Um, he has a uh, <laughs> he has a spear that has a little cup attached to it, like right by the point or the the diamond part at the end, where he can prod things, and then if they have any like syrup or goo, uh, it will drain into the cup, and then he will later like sip from it to get a taste and try to smell what he's working with. Uh, he also wears a bandolier of little bottles to put different types of materials in and to keep different types of goos that he has that in case he needs sustenance while he's in the field or in his workshop. And Absolutely. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a freaking guy. I would say Blaze definitely makes trades with uh, Leonardo Goo. Leonardo Cheese. Cheese, cheese. <laughs> goo. I just wanted to say goo, I guess. Everybody loves goo. Yeah. Goo, 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 goo. Perhaps I will just be Leonardo Goo. Everyone everyone is gaga for goo goo. Let's Ooh, uh let's nice. cut over to Peter's character. Peter, uh who are you gonna be playing for us? You really you really should have let me go before Mike, because this is gonna be a real letdown. I uh No no no. <laughs> I'm playing uh Ruprecht. You can call him Rue, goes by he, him, and he is a long time ago, he was a thief uh, when he was young, he he didn't have a lot of options, um, but he clawed out of that life and became a a skilled mediker so he can help people patch themselves up and heal, and he really likes caring for people, and it, it sort of belies the first impression people get of him because he's huge. He's, he ends up being kind of a gentle giant unless you threaten his friends. And he has a big, loving family, a big, loving, uh, polyamorous family. Is, is it, does that mean that, like, he is in a partnership or that he was, he's raised by uh, a polyamorous family? He's, a, he's, in, like a, he's in a broad, multi-tiered, uh, not multi-tiered, multi-fingered partnership. It okay. also sounds wrong, so... Um, polycule. Poly, yes, in a big polycule with lots of children, and so they they all, when he decided that he felt a calling to go up the well, because he, he goes up the well to put to rest those troubled souls that are animated up there, he feels like it's oh. his duty to do so. Wow. Okay. Now, this this to me is is a lot more interesting. The idea that he's not grave digging necessarily to support his, his family or, or wealth or whatever. It's literally to put down the undead, which is the most dangerous thing <laughs> about going up there. Yeah. Yeah. He... How does how does his polycule feel about this? Well, like, that's a very risky thing in a very principled stand. They, they they don't love it. They all pitched in to get him a big suit of plate armor. <laughs> okay. So he goes up wearing a heavy suit. Is he religious, or is this oh, like a humanitarian principle, um, or is this like an- the ancestor worship? I think he feels strongly about the ancestors that came before him and everybody in Bastion, and wishes them to all see peace. Okay. Okay. And whether or not their spirits are actually in the reanimated dead, who knows? But but he, he feels like they probably are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine there's a lot of peace and dignity in becoming a bone spider. So, you know, I would probably, if I was a bone spider, want uh, one of my ancestors to to put me down and allow my bones to sleep. With that, I, I'm very curious because I think Leonardo Cheese and Blaze have a pretty obvious connection. Like their motivations for going up to higher levels are 
based around their art forms and their livelihoods. But we, in Rue, we, we have somebody who is, you know, kind of a principled uh, person who's just trying to practice their life philosophy. How did this group get together, do we think? Why, why, why do y'all go on runs together? I'm going to go out on a limb and take a guess that Leo Cheese and Blaze are more open-minded and accepting than your average gravedigger. And I think, well, I took on the character sheet, I, you know, I, I took owing favors or, or kind of being disliked by the gravediggers as a general class. Oh, okay. Because um, I think gravediggers in general look at Rue and think that he's just kind of a holier-than-thou guy. I really just want to take care of people, but they don't, they don't like my, my kind of pure idealistic reasons for going up. So, so you two might be the only ones who will really tolerate me, even though I'm perfectly sweet. We have the, uh, the tolerance of a small business owner. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the other thing is that with Blaze, it's like, what, is, what are candles but solidified goo? And uh, Rue's name rhymes with goo, so that's a connection right there. So, Well, I also think that Blaze probably sees Rue as like just a generally like a good adventure partner and like bodyguard almost because, yeah, she's a candle maker. I mean, she's kind of tough, but she's not like made for this, you know, so she's she's learning the ropes from somebody who has a mission to like go and create peace basically among the undead i think that that's probably part of the appeal of the the relationship to her too cool cool i think leonardo's in the same boat where it's kind of advantageous to be with someone who has the fire of a noble cause in them and to stand behind them <laughs> definitely stand behind the guy with the big armor yeah yeah mm -hmm. I'll be back there. My, my last question for each of you is, is there is a reputation slot on, on your character sheets that just says you have a reputation for dot, dot, dot. And, you know, that can be a simple answer. I, I just want to know what, what, is, what is everybody's reputation? Great question. Mm -hmm. I think that Leonardo is seen as this kind of loud, jovial fellow who is he just won't shut the hell up about goo he's always bringing <laughs> goo into the conversation and amongst uh like the nobility they they enjoy him because he brings different types of taste to their what parties you can have in bastion in this dark dim place so he's appreciated there but otherwise he's seemed simply as a strange character about town, always stomping off to and fro with his bandolier of goo. <laughs> All right. Blaze is probably somewhat of a hazard, like friendly, but a hazard, like a fire hazard, <laughs> just like hazard in general. I don't think she's disliked, but I think kind of James, what you said about her having like a devoted following, like she probably has people that are like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's she's cool. She's cool, but she's kind of dangerous, so we'll stay away. And whether it's from, like, purposeful danger or accidental danger, I think that there's just an air of, like, chaos around her. Cool. The reputation I wrote down was stupid generosity, and I think it probably gets me in trouble with not just grave diggers that I, that I have, to, have to work with, because maybe I, we come back and I give away part of the loot without thinking, but also with my extended, my broad family, because I, I end up offering resources that we really could have used to people who are down on their luck or something. I like that. I, that seems very, very well suited. And I think this gives us our opportunity to start play. Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Let's get things started off with a radvertisement. And this one comes to us from the Complete Discography Podcast. 
Join the hosts of The Complete Discography as they make their way through the Complete Discworld series by Terry Pratchett. Now, this show has a network-relevant backstory as they all met on the OneShot Discord and discovered that Justin hadn't read any Terry Pratchett. So, they all forced them to do it. And they just recorded that book club with occasional special guests as they read the series in publication order. You can find The Complete Discography anywhere quality podcasts can be found or at completediscography.page because Aaron is bad at SEO. Folks, I happen to know this show is a fun one because I was a guest on it. I got to join the Complete Discography team to read Hogfather, a holiday classic. And if you're listening and you've never read any of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels, boy howdy are you missing out. And if you want to see if you like it without devoting the time to reading a whole novel, I suggest starting with the Complete Discography podcast. Though they do read the bad ones first because Terry got much better as he wrote. Still, the podcast is good throughout. Thanks so much to the Complete Discography for sponsoring the show this week. Heroes, speaking of books, I have a new book coming out. The Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide. A collection of prompts, exercises, and mini-games to help you develop more complex and interesting worlds for your games. And if you're interested in checking out the book before you actually buy it, I have a few live events coming up where I'm previewing parts of the book. Now, of course, in our world, when I say live events, I do in fact mean digital events that you can attend remotely from anywhere. The first one is going to be on June 4th at 7 p.m. Central Time through Next Chapter Booksellers. And after that, on June 9th at 7 p.m. Central Time, I'll be doing an event with Barbara's Bookstore. At both events, I'll be partnered up with someone, and we will go through one of the exercises in the book, building a part of a new fictional world together. It's the perfect way to see how the book works and see if it's for you. Also, for the June 9th event through Barbara's Bookstore, I'm going to be joined by fantasy author Alexandra Rowland. If you've read any of Alex's books, you know that they're very good at world building and that you're not going to want to miss seeing us work together. You can register for both of these events online by following the links in our show notes. Also, if you want to pick up the Ultimate RPG Game Master's World Building Guide, you can do it by going to bit.ly slash ultimateworldbuilding. Heroes, the One-Shot Network is currently holding a Kickstarter for the second season of Skyjack's Courier's Call. Courier's Call is our all-ages spinoff of Campaign Skyjack's. It follows the adventures of Kieran Rao, played by Palomi Pratap, June Hemnell, played by Ali Grauer, and Cecilia C.C. Whitwick, played by Aaron Catano Saez, as they travel through the skies with the Swiftwell Courier Service to chase their dreams, travel the world, and hopefully deliver the mail. Our project is already funded, and we are looking ahead to hit some big stretch goals. The next one coming up is at 18,000, where once again I'll team up with Aaron Catano Saez, Jeff Stormer, and Drew Merzieski for another installment of All My Fantasy Skyjacks, where we tap into just a fraction of the brilliant genius behind All My Fantasy Children and apply it to our beloved world of Sphere. After that, at 20,000, we have a new song by Arnie Parrott. And folks, let me tell you, Arnie's music is worth every penny. If you'd like to help us make this project even better, please head to kickstarter.com and search for Skyjack's Courier's Call Season 2, or go to bit.ly slash skyjackscc2. That's Skyjack's, the letter C, the letter C, and the number 2. As always, a huge thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Without you, we wouldn't be able to make programs like this. The OneShot Patreon is currently running a special Courier's Call mini-series where the crew from the Red Audrin meets Jolly Jack. And of course, fan-favorite NPC, Margaret. There are five parts to this series up right now, and there will be eight parts total. It's an amazing series. I had so much fun recording it, and I know you'll have fun listening to it. If you want access, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash oneshotpodcast and sign up at the $5 level or more. A huge thanks to everyone who supports us already, and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. We open on the well, a massive dark tunnel, the edges all but totally enveloped in darkness. 
this. As the camera pulls out, we can see little dots of light begin to eke into our vision and wash over this almost obsidian black stone that has, now we can see, like stairs rung around it. Carved into the sides of these walls, we see these domiciles. And of course, we're starting at the lowest level of the well, at least the lowest populated level of the well, as it descends further and further with countless doors that have yet to be set up and explored. Here, we find the wealthiest people in the city. Finely, intricately carved windows full of light created by rune magic. We can see people inside these windows enjoying dark drinks, laughing together, dressed in beautiful and delicate fabrics that have no doubt been wrought from the rarest and finest lichen that can be grown, or perhaps pilfered from the upper levels stolen from civilizations that have been lost to time and the undead long ago. Below them, we can see fields of farms. I think stretching in either direction are almost like artificial like stalactites and stalagmites that have been covered with glowing fungus and lichen. You can see people scraping and tending to these Fields upon fields of, of things that are being grown. There are these massive runic like lamp posts that serve as artificial nutrition for all of these magnificent and very weird and hyper fluorescent things that are being grown. We can see the uniforms and clothing being worn by these people as like tattered and worn. Everyone is working these fields hard. Although you're not out under a blazing sun here under the earth, you are worked just as hard. And being around these lichen and funguses, the runes that provide their heat and light can be just as overbearing. People are like swathed in these fabric bandanas and cloths to prevent the spores from overwhelming their lungs. While mining is definitely a thing, we still need precious minerals, the thing that really causes lung damage and disease is farming here. We can see like somebody pulling aside their face covering to cough. Uh, this like hyperfluorescent bloody ball comes out of their mouth. They have to like cover back up and get back to work because otherwise no one will eat. It zooms up further. We can see now the mercantile layers of the bastion, the last city, the only human populace, at least that the people around the well know about. For all they know, the world above them is dead and has been dead for hundreds of years, perhaps even a thousand. The Bastion is the only place where human beings can be human beings. There are shops that sell tools, clothing, food, goo, of course. Any comforts and necessary things that people need to survive. Here, as we stretch out further and further into the reaches of what people have managed to carve away to make this metropolis, we can see the intricate alleys that weave between these shops. Those that surround the well itself, closest to the stairs, are the finest, most beautiful and well-maintained. Everything else looks like it is hastily hewn out of the walls of the, of the earth. This is where people who sell illicit goods, things that were taken from the surface that perhaps should not have been. We can see people in dark corners making exchanges, certain funguses and powders being traded that perhaps have an illicit nature to them. Then we move up further. This is where the world starts to get poorer. The mercantile layers, the farming layers, this is where wealth is made and capitalized on. But higher than that is where you find the people who actually have to perform that labor. Every day they have to descend these winding stairs to arrive at back-breaking work 
which takes from them almost everything, leaving them only with the energy they need to ascend once again into their cramped homes, homes that were dug back in the days when people still worried about the threat of undead coming into their lives and taking from them everything they loved. There is no artistry here. There is no time spent on creating beauty, light, or life. There is only bare-bones survival. We can see that there are still runes that are providing heat and light here, but they have been created very hastily and very roughly. Some of them flicker. The silvery paint that provides the energy for this runic light is starting to fade. People are huddled around this, trying to get what little warmth they can and prepare themselves for the day. Amongst these people, we see the few sharp-eyed hardy souls who have covered themselves in crampons and rope, who have weapons, who have notches on their clothing. These are the grave diggers. Those people who are willing to risk everything for a chance at whatever drives them. Some are driven by wealth, some are driven by dreams that others find ridiculous, and some are driven by the steely-eyed need to keep moving. As we pull past that, we finally see the gate, the most magnificent and intricate thing that exists around the bastion, a thing forged over a hundred years ago. It is a technical marvel. It crosses the entirety of the well, creating an artificial floor on a hole that could possibly fall endlessly. This is what protects them from the horrors above. No matter what undead creatures might pull past their doors and descend those staircases, none of them have even been able to scratch this thing. There is a guard here, but it's almost a formality. It's really to limit who can go out, because nothing unwanted can go in. And now that we have seen this city, I want to turn to Blaze, Leonardo, and Rue as they all prepare themselves to pass the gate and enter the tombs above. What does everybody look like suiting up? I want, I want to start with Blaze, where we're probably going to keep that same order, because I feel like Rue is going to have the most emotional note leaving here. But yeah, as Blaze prepares to go to the upper layers, what, what does she do? So she's in her little her little hole in the wall, her little house, which is also doubles as her candle shop. And she's petting her cat on the head. She has a cat. Can she have a cat? that against the rules of the well? Of course she can have a cat. Oh, okay, great. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't messing with, like, lore, that cats are, like, some, like, not pets. Great, so she has a cat, and uh, the cat's name is Petal, and she's petting it on the head, saying goodbye, and she's suiting up. She's putting on her padded jack armor. Like I said, it looks, like, sort of gravelly. The texture on it is, like, really... It's not, like, uniform. It's not just, like, a pattern. It kind of looks like bubbles almost like bubbly rocks Mm. she's obviously carrying a bunch of candles with her because she might need them either to burn stuff or just for some light she's got oil a knife she makes sure to grab rope and some extra rune paint because she does dabble in runes all of the runes that she knows are pretty much light related so going up to illuminate the world up above. I want to know, Eleni, what vessel does rune paint come in? How how is it kept? Is it a pot? Is it a tin? Like oh yeah, a it's jar? definitely in a tin. I would say a jar is too easy to break. So she's got it in like almost a little mm. paint can, but the top is a like a twist-off paint can, not the kind that you need a, what do you call it, like a screwdriver thing to open up. You can just screw off the top and dip your little brush in there and paint it, but it clips onto her belt, too. Yeah, I, I like the idea that we, we can see uh, Blaze, like, screwing off the top of this, sort of checking the, the levels of, of paint that's remaining. And we can see that, like, it's a shallow little tin. Uh, the impression that I got is that this paint is, like, 
expensive and, and hard to come by, especially in poorer areas. We can see that even in the relative darkness of this place, because, you know, it's Blaze's place, a candle shop nonetheless, so there is candlelight, but we can see that rune paint glows brilliantly in the darkness, looking almost like a textured sort of mercury. It doesn't have the mirror shine quality of mercury. It's almost like a matte finish on it, but it still swirls around in a way that like just barely feels like it's lighting the room, even if it's not emanating any light at all. Mm. I think she maybe also has like one plant, like some (laughs) type of actual plant. She loves the color green, but plants are very, very hard. But the rune... The rune paint really helps to keep the plant alive because it can simulate like light. So it's it's kind of a hidden little plant so that people don't really notice it. But yeah, she has a hidden plant. I I like this. I kind of think that in order to get a plant, like you had to find a seed somewhere on the upper levels, bring it back here and, you know, spend effort getting water and Really, I think the work that you did on the rune paint to provide light for this plant must have been the best rune that you've ever painted in your life. And I, I kind of think you've got like a little safe where you keep this plant that you can just like open it up and the light spills out into the room and you can just appreciate this little tiny plant in there. Yes, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, she's got, it's like her uh, little greenhouse, except you can't see inside of it. yeah i think like that light sort of pours into the room we can see petals eyes sort of like wide as both of you are looking at the precious green of the chlorophyll in this plant petal like you know rubs her her head under blaze's hand sort of trying to get the last pets because petal can sense when it's time for blaze to go up and we cut away from that. Uh, we cut to Leonardo Cheese. Mm. What does Leonardo look as he's preparing himself to travel above? Let's rewind a little bit, even before that. On the floor of a kind of a, a grubby-looking store, and I say grubby-looking store, I would say most stores are probably a little grubby-looking in the well, even the nice ones. So on the floor of a store before behind the counter sleeps leonardo cheese on just like a pile of cloth he's snoring he's he's kind of a a larger fellow he's got a a big bushy chin strap is that a can you can a chin strap by nature be bushy? yeah you know what i'm kind of picturing is like an amish beard that's a little more curly so yes you've got it's very thin but long and like bushes out a more a more flamboyant amish beard and it rises and falls as he takes big big breaths while he's asleep and then you see a little paw start to poke at his face he too has a cat and his cat is waking him up because it's time for feeding in the morning uh this is little goobert and uh leonardo (laughs) cheese Um, he gets up and he gives him a little bit of goo and he looks at his shop and the shelves look bare and he's got a pile of I don't know how missives are sent in the well because I imagine paper is hard to come by but maybe they're on like stones or something that people like paint on stones or I have to imagine there are a couple things. I, I do think one of the things that Peter wrote up in the setting description is there's a way to make like a paper-like thing out of fungus, right? It's a myco paper, yeah. Myco paper, yeah. Myco paper. I remember reading that word being like, that's a dope. Nice detail. Very like cool. that yeah, one. yeah. So there's these myco paper missives and they're bills. They're bills and inv- invitations to these uh, kind of sporees that the the nobility of bastion are inviting leonardo cheese which are not completely like profitable they're like kind of like networking and there's an idea that you will end up benefiting financially in the long run through these partnerships with these 
fancy people, but in the meantime, they're kind of just freeloading. This off is of for exposure. Sample. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 paying you an exposure, and he's looking at all of this stuff, and he's looking at his shelves, and he remembers what day it is. It's the day that he is going to wear his grave digger cap and go up and go bring the goo home, and he feeds uh, his his little goobert, and he puts on his bandolier that he wears. And he picks up his spear, and he has this big, like, flat-brim hat that he wears. Like, a very long, flat-brim hat. Very kind of stylish. He has, like, a feather in the top. And there's... I don't, are there birds? There, there probably aren't things that are too feathered. So this might be, like, a very old feather that has made its way down the well. Yeah, you. It, it, this could be, like, a rare thing that you managed to loot from, like, the upper levels. Because, like... Maybe some old noble person like hundreds of years ago was buried with a feather, which is in turn like a relic of a hundred years before that. So if you found a feather, like wearing it on your cap, that is a like clutch sort of status symbol move of like, look at how cool and interesting I am. It's a branding thing. You know, you got to be your brand. You have to stand out. It's not enough to just make the best goo in town, even though you do. Sometimes you have to have a little bit of a, of a billboard on your head. And he takes his first step, ding-a-ling-a-ling, out of his goo emporium. And he's strutting through the town. And as he's walking around, the little children all say, There goes Leonardo Cheese! And he's like, <laughs> Get away from me, you whelps! But it's, a, it's this kind of <laughs> practiced uh, antagonism that doesn't come from a real place because these kids are following him for a reason. They see the little goo in his bandolier. He, he brings his bandolier partially filled with goo, knowing that he's going to be giving goo out to kids as he's walking through the streets. Mm-hmm. And they're all like, please, please, give us goo. He, he's the like goo a goo father. Oh, yes. <laughs> he's almost like an ice cream truck. Exactly. There's like a sound or, or something that accompanies his gait. The clinking of vials against each yeah. other. He too also there we go. That's has a it. little a tin can filled with paint. Rune paint, that is. Not just a normal paint, uh, but rune paint. And because he does, he dabbles a, a, in a, some rune magic as well that is goo related. We'll get into that later. But anyway, he's walking through the town. <laughs> he's, his children are like, oh, there goes, there goes Leonardo. Jeez. And then he's he falls asleep suddenly while walking and all these kids there's silence is he okay uh and he's just he's just standing there sleeping while standing up this is a a a character trait he he occasionally will will fall asleep while while standing and then he springs back to life and goes ha goo for everyone then he's like tossing out little sample goo bottles and uh so please return those bottles to my goo emporium Uh, they are very hard to come by and they're all cheering, and then there's, like, older people who are just like, oh, I don't like goo. This goo is a thing of the future, and uh, we prefer just normal mushroom food. Goo is too new. And he gives them a smile and walks up. I don't like this goo! I prefer gruel! When I grew up, we just had gruel, and it tasted with the one flavor! Out with the goo! Out with the goo! I say, why don't you try some of my goo and then try saying that? Yeah, for you! A sample! A sample! I daren't! Um... (laughs) We mustn't! I tried the goo once, it turned me into an ugly person. Well... (laughs) Good day to you all, then. Ha-ha. Leonardo Cheese walking through the town. Did I mention that I also spontaneously sing? La-la-la-la-la. <laughs> he's, he's in a musical, by the way. Yeah, like, this feels kind of Disney to me. Leonardo's ascent towards the gate is almost like an echoing of bonjour from yes. beauty and the beast yes. we're just getting to see all these different levels of bastion as leonardo is slinging goo everywhere and, and hans christian anderson yeah. there's so many goo puns that are being made in this song <laughs> yeah and he's 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 like a bon vivant walking through town you know another day another little jar of goo so. i have i have to sing this there goes the goo man with the goo like always. The same old goo and goo to sell. That's it. It's a goo in his hand too. <laughs> do, 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 do. It's goo. It's goo, it's goo, it's goo, it's goo, it's goo. Okay. 
<laughs> it's true. Yeah. Great. And like that song kind of fades out as uh, Leonardo actually passes by sort of the level where Rue and Rue's kind of extended communal family makes their home. What does Rue look like sort of suiting up for an adventure in the upper levels? Well, Rue is standing in the, the entry chamber and putting on his heavy armor, tightening straps. He has a, a, a partner on one side helping him with the, the greaves, and someone else is nervously checking his straps, saying, Oh, I, ho- I hope you, you, you've got this fastened, otherwise it doesn't protect you enough. And uh, the kids are saying, Oh, can we, can we go see the goo man? We hear the goo man. <laughs> <laughs> One of the parents is saying, You can go in just a second. You just have to wait until we said goodbye to Daddy Rue. Mm-hmm. This is an argument that they've had months or years ago by this point. So there's a little bit of that beseeching look. You know, I wish you would reconsider, but we don't need to say the words. Different people come and you know, put a... a quietly emotional hand on his shoulder or on his face and once once they've assured to their satisfaction that he is fully equipped that he has the things that he carries up the well his armor is secure and uh, one of the older children brings out the big heavy war hammer that he takes up the well and he lifts it from him and says you know thank you for it and then the, the other the other parents and, and partners come and he shares hugs or hugs and kisses with those that he's on kissing terms with. Gives a big whole whole family hug, everyone glomming on, and then you know, it, it, it lasts just a little bit too long, and then they, they break and, and then and then Bruce says, Now, now you can you can go see the This episode of One Shot features music from the following artists. Rise by Louis Lyon. Choose Your Own Adventure by Bright Seed. Rainbows and Candy by Dream Lamp. Coat of Arms by Wicked Cinema. And A Dark Past by Wicked Cinema. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. To find more of their work online, anywhere, you can find them at the other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for one shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more from the well. In the meantime, be sure to check out one of the other amazing gaming shows from the one shot network. Like Neo Scum. Neo Scum is a narrative comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadowrun. It follows a group of misfits and outsiders. Z, an acerbic cyber troublemaker. Pox, the candy junkie klepto from across the pond. Tech Wizard, the public access actor with a petulant thirst for adventure. And Dak Rambo, the nastiest trucker this side of the Robo Mason Dixon. Join the irascible Neoscum crew on a puerile rock and road trip through a weirdo world of tomorrow, doling out street justice to every deeb they encounter whether they deserve it or not. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And heroes, once again, I am encouraging you to call your representatives and voice support for Palestine. Historically, the U.S. has offered Israel unfettered support in their military occupation of and continual attacks on Palestine. That's weapons, technology, and tactics from one of the most powerful militaries on Earth targeting civilians. And because of U.S. support, there have been no consequences for brutal attacks and Israel operating as an apartheid state. U.S. politicians rarely get pushback for supporting the Israeli military. But thankfully, that's where you can help, by taking a moment to call your representatives. Now, usually when I call my representatives, I use fivecalls.org. But in this case, that won't work. While you will be able to find your representatives and their contact information there, Five Calls does not have supporting Palestine as one of their listed issues. So on this one, you're going to need to work with your own script. But it's important, heroes. You can't ignore this, and we have to do everything we can. 
Thanks. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at GameMaster at OneShotPodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network, in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.